Hi, I'm Miriam. I'm a compulsive overeater. Make it shorter. Um, Since you're not six foot three. No. And being fat in a little body was not very attractive, let me tell you that. Um, I'm very honored and humbled to be here. Um, you know, it's a real gift to be able to look at that tree and these trees and say, wow, thank you, God, for making such beauty, to be able to recognize it. Or to be driving over here, and I see like a sign that says like the keys of the kingdom or something, and I thought, there's the keys of the kingdom in the big book. Like, <laughs> my whole life revolves around this program. Um, you know, I, I hung out in OA for six years. I don't feel like I, you know, here's the thing. I'm, I'm one amongst many, right? And I've been given such a beautiful life, and I've been given one day at a time, one second at a time, you know, a, rep a reprieve from this disease. And, and I'm no different than anybody else. I just was desperate enough, you know. I was dying enough. I knew that left to my own devices, I was screwed. And... Um, So, I'm emotional because I always, you know, you forget. You know, I have 20 years of abstinence. November 1st, 1998 is my abstinent date. So I got my 20-year mark this month, right? But it's not me. Thank you. But it's not me. It's all God. It's all a higher power because I knew how to eat, right? I was hospitalized twice because of this disease. I knew how to diet, right? And... I never, see, some people lost the weight. I never lost the weight. I'd be on a diet just to, like, maintain the status quo of, like, 170, 175 pounds. And after, like, the 20th diet, I knew that in my heart it wasn't going to work. But every time I did a diet, I thought it was going to work. I'd, and I would convince family members, I would convince everybody and go, this time, this is it. This is, it's going to work. And it never did. Um, I have a health condition. And at the time... At the time, I was angry, and I used to cry to God. So I guess there was a part of me that knew there was something out there. But I used to cry to God when I was in my disease every night, and I'd say, God, why did you give me this? You know, why did you give me this? Why did you give me the disease that makes people ugly in my eyes, right? Because I'm female. So when you're female and you're a teenager and you're fat, it's not fun. I can only speak about being a female. I can't speak about being a male. But I know that being a female, it sucked. And so... I used to cry going, why'd you give me this? And my mother used to say, you know, this is your cross to bear. Everyone has something. This is yours to be dealing with being on a diet and being fat. And I used to be angry. I was angry, 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 angry. And, and the more I was in the disease, and, and here's the thing, and I'm going to be kind of all over the place perhaps, but I knew that by hanging out in OA, because I did that, I hung out for six years, but because I hung out, I knew I knew about the steps, right? Had I worked them? No. But I knew about the steps. And I knew that I was the problem. Here's the thing. For me, I had to get from A to B, to get from B to C, to get from C to D, to finally surrender everything and be willing. And that's when everything changed for me. So if there's anything I could say, and I always say this, it's just keep coming back, right? Thank God they couldn't kick me out. Thank God, thank God. The one thing I did right was I kept coming back. And I, I knew about step four. I knew that I belonged here. 
but I hadn't worked the steps. It was only when I began to work the steps that everything changed. So for those first, and, and here's the thing too, you know, my mother, who I resented, she was the reason why I was here. She was the reason why I was fat. I blamed her for everything. But the irony is that she's the one who told me about OA, right? And I was so, and, and I had a window of binging where my mother said, why don't, and I was in between Diet Center and Jenny Craig, right? No, that's not true. I, yes, I was in between Jenny Craig and Diet Center. Within that week, I gained nine pounds. And then I went to Diet Center, and by that time, the hopelessness was really beginning to happen. And I was in Diet Center, and my mother caught me binging after three months of being on this Diet Center diet. I was so afraid to not be on a diet, that because I knew that if I was off the diet, I'd be up past 200 like that. I knew it, right? So the diets kind of maintained but I was still crazy, crazy, and I didn't know it. See, that's the thing about newcomers, and you know, newcomers, welcome. You're the lifeblood of this program. Newcomers, you are the reason why this, this program keeps on happening, really. And so the newcomers, oh my God, to be here and to know you're screwed, <laughs> it, 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 seems, it seems like it sucks, but truly, that's, that's my moment of like, oh my, like that's where it begins right? Because we're willing to recognize that maybe we're not always right, that maybe we're wrong, that maybe there's something out there. And that's where I had to get. I had to get to that point where I realized I was screwed, but my path was different than, say, yours, hopefully, maybe, yes. So my mother said, and it was one week before my 18th birthday, when I was 17, she actually said, why don't you try Overeaters Anonymous? Even when I was 16, she tried to 12-step me with somebody we know who's in the program. I was not ready. 17, she said, why don't you go? I went to the OA office at Darby. I was not done. So I said, this is not for me. There's a bunch of wackos here. This is not for me. Thank you. Goodbye. At 18, week before 18, she caught me binging. And this was like three months after Diet Center. And she said, why don't you go to OA? That was when I was willing to sit but I wasn't surrendered, but I was so like in such a fog. And the thing about being in the disease is it's not just about stopping. See, for me, and I can only speak about me, my mind, my body, my memory, my thinking, everything was disease, right? So if I need to change, I can't change myself. I'm the problem. But I did what I could. So when I first came to OA at the Darby office in Reseda, I had a little snobbiness in me, but I was willing to listen a little bit, maybe, who knows. But for the first time ever, I felt like I wasn't so bad. When I went to that Darby office a week before I was 18, for the first time ever, people talked about eating out of the trash. People talked about not being able to stop eating. People talked about being obsessed 24 hours a day with food and with what you ate and what you, you shouldn't eat and what you ate and you shouldn't have eaten it and what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me, this constant, what's wrong with me. So to overcompensate with my disease, I, I became this like, I didn't know it until I looked back, I became like this, this overachiever, right? A part of it was just to not be home. I wanted to get out of the fuck, sorry, I wanted to get out of the, I I'm being recorded. So what? Anyway, whatever. I wanted to be out of the house. So I became this like doer, right? To overcompensate for the addiction. It is an addiction, by the way, for me. It's not something that's going to be fixed overnight. 
I have a condition. I have a condition with food. I don't go to the alcohol. I go to the food. I still sometimes think, oh, that would fix it. No, I have to go to the program. So by hanging out, I heard a few things. One thing I heard, and I don't know why it hit me. Well, first of all, for those first six years I hung out, I was no longer invisible. I got to talk. I had these weird ideas, but I knew I belonged. And what a gift to know you belong somewhere, right? Because I never felt like I belonged anywhere. Anywhere. I remember thinking that, too. Like, I'd be in, like, Westwood High School, right? I, my high school, we were, we were hanging out there, and there were the college kids. And I remember thinking, this is, like, something I should be enjoying right now. And I'm not. I really hate this because I'm fat and everybody what they think and self-centeredness, right? So I hung out for six years and I knew about the steps. I remember seeing the steps on the wall and they could have been Japanese characters. They made no sense to me. But I kept coming back. Um, over time, my outside world got a little better, but my insides hadn't been worked on, right? I knew about step one. I knew I had a problem. And I talked about this program for dear life, but I hadn't worked steps 2 through 11 or 12. Um, so I hung out. Well, a situation happened where, and, and, you know, where I knew that I had chosen my life. I knew that I had created my life. I knew that the, the opportunities that I passed, the opportunities that I didn't have happen. All these things were a product of my diseaseness, so to speak, right? Because I hung out, I knew this, right? I, I was educated, as some may say, in the program. And I knew I was diseased. And somehow I, I knew that I didn't want to be Miriam anymore. This was six years into hanging out. I knew that I didn't want to be me anymore. I knew that I was the problem. And I said to God, you know what, God, if it takes me five years to lose the weight, if it takes me 10 years to lose the weight, I don't care. I just don't want to be Miriam anymore. And I had hit that bottom. I had truly hit that bottom where I knew that because of Miriam and her ways and my character defects festering themselves, I'm going to go to the food every single time. That's all I know. That's all I know. Well, if I'm not going to go to the food anymore, I have to do the opposite. So for me, that's living in the solution. So that's about taking, you know, surrendering, getting a sponsor, doing what she says, anything she says, by the way. I never argued because I knew that I did not know anything. I was willing to know I didn't know anything. That was part, thank God, right? And I'm just one amongst many. I knew that sense of desperation. I went to at least a meeting a day. And this was like the first five years of my abstinence. Um, I was willing to do anything. And the thing about the alcoholic is like, you know, they can get drunk and then crash into a wall and end up in jail the next day. So like their repercussions are immediate. For us, and someone said at the meeting, she said, for us, if we're in the food, it's not like you die tomorrow. Maybe you do, but mostly it's a slow, progressive, miserable, horrible death. For me, it is. For me, it is, and I know that. It can be horrible, horrible, and I knew that. And I knew that if I went Miriam's way, there was no way out. The only way out is through this program. Believe me, I had tried, I think I tried everything. Maybe I didn't, but I tried enough. <laughs> 
So I knew that if I went this way, which was what my sponsor said, what the women said, and I was sponsored in the foundational, it's called Applied Principles of Addictive Recovery. Um, one of the first hundred of Alcoholics Anonymous wrote this book, and, and you gotta, it's just how I sponsor. Um, but it's really understanding who we are as addicts. You know, I'm an addict. People go, why did I eat? Why did I eat? I ate, I eat because I'm an addict. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I always thought compulsive overeater is like a light way to describe what we are. You know, it's ugly. It's ugly, ugly. So one of my great, she was my great grand sponsor. Her name is Charlotte. She's in, she's in an old age home now. Um, she'd say to me, Miriam, and I'd call her every day. She was AA and OA hardcore. I needed hardcore, by the way, because I'm hardcore crazy person. So I needed to be around the hardcore crazy people. I felt comfortable around the NACAAA meetings. I felt very comfortable. And I'd go there, and I'd sit, and I'd listen, and I'd talk. And I'd, I, I felt like I was one, I, I am that. I think we are that. You know, for me, I don't take it lightly. I take it very seriously. I still do the deal every day because I'm too afraid not to. It's not because like some, oh, you're so recovered. No, I do this because I'm afraid not to. That's the truth, you know. So anyway, Charlotte would say to me, Miriam, I don't, and I should say this, I say this, I say this to people I sponsor to newcomers. Charlotte would say, Miriam, I don't care what anybody says, you're no longer new after five years of abstinence. <laughs> so that was like a relief for me because if I screwed up in my first five years of abstinence, by the way, all the weight came off, all this, these jeans, oh my God, these jeans are a size four, right? I was a size 16, 14, 16, going up fast. These jeans, when I bought them, they were too short for me. What a gift. Usually, they were way too long because <laughs> I was fat, so they had to be hemmed, all that stuff. What a gift to not have to do that now, right? That's just one small of the many gifts. It's nothing really when you think about all the other gifts that have been given to me. But don't think my self-will doesn't creep in, because it does, often. And that's the gift. I don't have to act on my self-will. So what I learned in the program, there were a few things. One thing I did, and one thing I've heard, I actually heard this on a podcast where I replaced the addiction, because it's not about intelligence. We're very smart, intelligent people. I had so much self-will in the disease that I put all that energy into the solution and the program. So I became, actually I was here and I was like helping Arlene. I thought, oh, it reminded me of when we did the Unity Day in the Valley. Like I got very involved. I was on the board. That was challenging for me, <laughs> but I did it. You know, I was willing to do anything I was asked to do. Anything kept me abstinent. It's the only reason is to abstain, right? And you help people and they argue or whatever and they think, oh, okay. But the truth is I'm abstaining through it. That's why I do it. I don't want to go back. So after you know five years, you know within the five years, all of a sudden the weight comes off, and and men are looking at me. I don't know how to deal. I don't know how to talk to them. I've always been a fat, ugly girl. So learning how to deal and cope in the world, I'd cry. I'd be frustrated. How do I do this? How do I do this? And I went to the program. I went to the women. I went to the men. Not that way. Well, no. Just kidding. <laughs> See, I get silly. That's a gift, right? What a gift to be able to laugh at myself. What a gift. I've been educated in this program with a wonderful sponsor. I work the steps. I'm still continuously working the steps. So after about five years of hanging out, 
started to date. That was painful, but I did it. And my sponsor said to, to, you know, you don't feel like anyone's good enough to stick around. And that hit me so hard because she was right. So um, this one guy, there were no games, and, and, some th and, and he was the opposite of what I was normally picking, which was good. So my sponsor said, why don't you just keep saying yes to him? And when he asked, okay, I'll, okay, I'll say yes. No games, no excitement, say yes, say yes. So eventually I married him, and, and we've been married. It'll be uh, February 4, 15th, because we got married the day after Valentine's Day. It'll be 15 years. The only way I'm able to stay married is by using this program for dear life, because I'm an addict, right? I get these crazy ideas, still. So my sponsor tells me, you know, all kinds of things where I have to change my thinking, still. If I don't keep myself in check every day, I will go back to the food because it will be, it will be too painful to be in my own self-will. It will be too painful to stay in my thinking. So I do what I can to get out of it. And I put all my energy into this program. That means, I, excuse me, I still go to lots of meetings, probably not enough, but I have a very full life now. Why? Because of this program. So I married my husband. I had the most amazing wedding. There were about 30 women from OA at my wedding. It's on YouTube, actually, so I still see the, some of them have passed. It was like a fairy tale wedding, right? My sponsor told me, this is not about you, Miriam. This is about your parents celebrating you. When she said that, I went, oh, okay, I'm out of it. What a gift, right, to not all be about me. It was amazing. As I got, um, I got, I have two kids from my husband, what a gift, <laughs> just kidding. See, the alcoholics talk that way. Anyway, I have, t I have two kids, they're both taller than me now, I was pregnant and abstinent. What a gift, what a gift. I have a profession now. I couldn't be self-supporting when I was in this disease. I lived at home with my parents. I fantasized a lot, a lot. And for me to live in reality is really the goal. Don't believe me though, I'm not always there. I go into fantasy sometimes, but I have to reel myself back in. I'm here because I'm not all there. That's the truth. And I need God's help. I was desperate enough and willing enough to do whatever they told me. I still do. I still know I'm crazy. I have to do a lot just to maintain a sense of appearing normal. And do I even appear normal? I don't know. But every morning I wake up around the same time. It's just like clockwork. I couldn't even get up early in the morning when I was in the disease. My sponsor told me to call her Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 6.20. I still do that to this day. And it was hard at first. But the gifts are amazing. The reason why I get emotional is because I didn't ask for this. I just wanted to be out of hell. You all know what that hell is when we're in the food. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible existence. My experience has been there's a solution to get out of that hell, and it's working the steps. And I'm constantly searching for God. I went through a period where the responsibilities were so great on me, I was angry at God. And I thought, why are you doing this? And I had a hard time believing again. But I know that if I leave, I'm screwed. So I constantly have to go back to God. You know, for a while it was one way, 
Now my higher power is like, okay, you want me to expand my spirituality? I'll do it. The only reason why I do any of this is so I don't go back to being Miriam in that self-will run riot craziness. Because I know that I'm weak. And I know I need God's help. And we're all the same, I think, right? And what a gift. They say the only requirement is that you have a desire to stop eating compulsively. They don't ask for your money. They do ask for yourself. No, I'm just kidding. That's been my experience is surrender and being willing to take suggestion. And it's all here for the taking. And I always get emotional because I forget what it's like. It's been 20 years out of, out of the hell. And you can have that too, one second at a time, one day at a time. Thank you.